glad we're back. Welcome back to Chemist Confessions, the podcast. A human take on the science of skincare. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> what are we drinking today, Victoria? Uh, I think we're getting fancy. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so this is just a $6 wine from Trader Joe's, that's it, but a fancy glass. <laughs> I can't believe this is like the first time, or one of the only times we have wine. Yeah, we're not we're not necessarily the biggest wine drinkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we guess we're a little more broy. As you can tell from the very very tasteful six dollar wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it's actually been a while since we've recorded. I think we we've had our first delay this year. Uh, well, right? just just slightly, just ever so it. slightly. <laughs> yeah. But usually this is a bi-weekly podcast and we don't foresee any more delays in that. So knock um, on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but we were, yeah, basically we had recorded a few podcasts in advance because we actually were away. Yeah. We had to go back to Asia mm-hmm. to visit our manufacturer. We had during COVID doing product development and content and sourcing packaging was just becoming such a nightmare and a lot of things we when we first started we visited every manufacturer and every packager we ever use ourselves personally Mm -hmm. and it felt almost a little silly at the time because it felt like oh we spent so much time is there a smarter way but we just didn't feel very comfortable unless we see the people ourselves Mm -hmm. turned out to be such a blessing yeah uh definitely the best move for us it felt like we could solidify things when you're there in person um i think we do have to like touch on a little bit on the mr reliable next launch um (laughs) holy cow we're trying Uh, to get this right but definitely still facing some delays and so i know we owe you guys an announcement on this but it will come i promise it's just we really want to do this right and it's just taking us a little more time than planned yeah that's uh, just how formulation goes right yep a couple hiccups couple things we really want to include this in this formula just takes a little longer to finesse and get right it's gonna be a good one yeah we know it (laughs) i can't wait to share the whole journey with you guys um there's just i feel like mr reliable 2.0 is just the perfect example of hitting every formulation challenge you can possibly yeah. hit along the way. So yeah, exactly. Also, for those who are watching us on YouTube, you guys may have noticed that we got a haircut. Oh, yeah. This <laughs> we should is probably talk about this. Uh, I got bangs. Yeah, Gloria got bangs, <laughs> and I got some blue fringes. Got a little blue fringe going it's on. It's very edgy on me as we speak. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, LA sun is probably the worst for colored mm. hair. Um, I too have also colored my hair and chopped it off. <laughs> yep. So um, I think during COVID, y'all probably noticed it was quite long and it was actually donation worthy. So yeah, going to donate my hair for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have done that, but I happened to have permed my hair right before COVID. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do that. But it still felt really good too. I didn't cut off as much as Victoria, but still feels good to lob off at least like four or five inches. Yeah, especially during summer. Holy cow. And yeah. Taiwan is really humid. You sit and you sweat. You <laughs> wink too fast. You sweat. <laughs> yeah. So other than that, we do have another actually cool brand update for you guys. And that is um, 
the book seems to be doing pretty well. So for those of you who haven't heard, uh, we wrote a book called Skincare Decoded, and that is our, our, our COVID baby. Um, yeah. It covers, we really wanted to be, we had this lofty goal of making it um, comprehensive enough for even seasoned professionals to yeah. use as a reference, but we want it to be simple enough for the absolute beginner yeah. to be able to read and enjoy. Yeah. And um, since then, since launch end of March, it's gotten some pretty good reviews. Yeah. So we decided to put together a special event. You know what's funny is we, I think whenever, I don't know why, but it's kind of a surprise for us that it did well. I don't know if it's because <laughs> it was so painful and we were like really worried it was going to be like maybe too intense for the absolute beginner but so far the feedback has been so nice i think it's because after we were done and we signed off on the final copy we're past the deadline by like three months already we closed that we closed that shit and did not look at it again until it launched yeah i think at the at that point we're pretty much ready to just just finish it just be done with it but yeah so um long story short um we're gonna do a little zoom party and we really hope you guys will join us there will be more info coming out we'll send out emails um we'll have we'll, the invite on instagram yeah so. and also in the youtube links below so yeah we'd really love for you guys to join us gloria will be doing a live reading while i will hang out in the background that is news to gloria <laughs> <laughs> bless you all it will be just as quirky as this podcast come with your questions or bring your drinks or yeah your alcoholic non-alcoholic drinks bring your pets yeah. bring your husbands like whoever <laughs> your, husband. <laughs> yeah. your husbands be like why <laughs> yeah but it'll be fun just like celebrate with us there's going to be of course it's really just a time to ask questions about the book what you read how to incorporate it mm. um but yeah i really hope you join us it'll be a fun little like summer event um virtually per usual yeah and before we dive into the news um we should actually share what the meat of this episode is going to be about point. i don't think we mentioned it yet <laughs> good point um yeah so of course um moving along with things um dealing with summer probably one of the biggest active categories to focus on is antioxidants um all that sunshine, all that free radicals. All so, that photo damage. Yeah. So we're going to try to make this not about ascorbic acid. This is about all the other antioxidants that you hear about and whether or not it's worthy of giving a shot. Um, also, because there's just a few of you that just don't really do well with ascorbic acid. So are there alternatives? We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Maybe we're a little rusty here. <laughs> so uh, Victoria usually prepares these little icebreakers for me. So today I have prepared an icebreaker kind of sort of for Victoria. Terrified. <laughs> so Victoria, <laughs> what's Uncle Roger's favorite skincare ingredient? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Roger loves MSG. <laughs> that too, but he also loves hyaluronic acid. <laughs> who helps us edit this podcast may just edit this out for his own life <laughs> this is not he will probably decide that this is not uh, relevant of his good work <laughs> he's like oh my god my portfolio is ruined my future looks dim <laughs> 
did you when did you think of this it was like a shower thought i on the flight back to the u.s i'm like i can think of like an icebreaker i'm bad at activities let's come up with jokes and puns you know skincare <laughs> jokes have not really been a thing so i think you're onto something here oh my god skincare decoded too is just gonna be all jokes <laughs> <laughs> oh god all right <laughs> Anyway, um, and up. with that note, <laughs> shall we do the news? Yes, in the, the news. news. All right. So probably one of the first things that we have to talk about and we're a little late on is hydroquinone. Um, so basically, um, it's come out that hi- OTC hydroquinone is no longer allowed and you will not be finding it in drugstores anymore. <sighs> yeah. So this, this, this is kind of a shame. Yeah. Um, hydroquinone is a... Is what we refer to as a gold standard uh, skin brightening ingredient. It is one of the most effective uh, hyper hyperpigmentation targeting active. Yeah, it has its controversies. Um, a lot of it is not um not exactly. more out of fear of yeah. using it. I think. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh my god. The point is, we don't really just. Dis- believe it deserves to be forced into early retirement um (laughs) it actually is probably still the only thing that really um has shown to have great data tackling melasma and for those who can't see a derm like being able to have it otc um is just it's a nice solution to have and so it's really quite a shame Unfortunately, this means that it'll probably have to be prescription-based. And so, yeah, uh, now the pigmentation category is um, just one more limited. Yeah. No pun intended there. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I will say, I think maybe a potential silver lining is that there are a lot more telederm services. Um, Maybe that will be a future channel where you can get some professional guidance, but also get your hands on hydroquinone. But who knows? We'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that one. Yeah, for sure. Next. Um, next. Beauty counter. Yep. There's a few business news on the block. Oh, boy. Big money. Oh, big money indeed. Beauty <laughs> counter <laughs> has sold its wall. Uh, a private equity firm has acquired the majority stake at Beauty Counter, which placed its valuation at $1 billion. Do you mm-hmm. think that the agreement was... Uh, we'll buy you, but you first have to go get into Sephora, and then that, then we can talk. Oh, they are in Sephora now, right? That was, Maybe a, that was yeah, the, the one of the, the more recent news. moves. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, and another Mazel piece tov, of Mazel tov, congratulations, <laughs> Beauty Counter. They've grown really fast the past two three yeah. years. I have to say, there is not a single product from Beauty Counter that I love. I'm sorry. It's a personal take. I've tried. I've dabbled. I just, there is not one. We were like a third of the one in. The honesty is coming out real early. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, question. Yes. I think this is something that maybe our listeners are curious about. They do often hear about brands like, um, say, The Ordinary that got acquired by one of the big players mm. like Estee Lauder um, or Brands like Urban Decay getting bought up by um L'Oreal. by L'Oreal. Mm-hmm. So I know like sometimes there's a sentiment online that when you hear like a L'Oreal or Estee Lauder buying a brand, you're like, no, my no. brand is ruined. How do you feel about private equity buying our brand? I think it's like you can have the same legitimate fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, especially for that valuation, um, mm-hmm. you can expect that there are definitely some terms involved, and so. 
it's really hard to say. You know, some companies, um, they want to have more of a say in how the brand develops from there and others don't, you know. So um, I don't really know. I think it's just like it's I think for me, I do have an expectation that, oh, you're going to see some things change with like right. marketing and branding and whatnot. And I don't know. I think you can see that with some of the recent acquisitions like Drunk Elephant, you know, so. Yeah, and yeah. I, I agree. And I think um, I think I've been in the industry for this while now. I'm not as sad when. Um, ooh, this is getting dangerous. <laughs> I think- you're not as sad when you hear that? They're bought out. No, I think um, I think when it's bought by Estee Lauder, L'Oreal, PNG, like big mm. conglomerates that have their own brand, I'm not as sad. There might be things that change. Certain cold favorite formulas yeah. might get might get shuffled, and that I I understand that some people really don't like that. But I think private equity can be such a toss up, right? It yes. could be just money and some connections, but it could be. A, an equity firm that doesn't have a lot of beauty experience and when they want to grow they might push you in a direction that may or may not make sense for a brand so i think private equity is actually gives you a little more fear more anxiety on development yeah, i think that's fair it's like more of a wild card and i think people do see that like i don't know why but they see that beauty sort of a quick win and what yeah. i mean by quick is like maybe within 10 years you know and i think when they see that and hear about it then they're like, oh, yeah. I need to get into this. And I mean, we I mean, being on the business side, we've definitely interacted with a few um, investment firms that really just don't know that much about beauty. And it's it's hard for us. We're mm-hmm. like, ooh, yeah. yeah. So that's that's just the truth. Um, all right. And we have another brand. Yeah. Next piece of business news is that the Honest Company, um, you might know it as the brain, brainchild of Jessica Elba, is gonna IPO. Has IPO? <laughs> is gonna IPO. <laughs> well, I think that is actually a rare, a more mm. rare piece of news that you would hear. Um, so it just, you can only assume, who knows, Honest Company might be more than just a beauty brand. Mm. And uh, I guess we'll see where it goes. That's, I don't know. I feel like that's, a, that's really risky. I put this on the list, but I'm very indifferent about this piece of news. Like, Oh, that's good, good luck because it is very, very hard for one brand to, mm. I don't know, I just feel like IPO is not a typical route that most people would take. Absolutely. Agreed. Good luck. Uh, in other news, something that excites us is something that Head & Shoulders is doing. Yep. Head & Shoulders has announced that they're doing a collaboration with Bill Knight, the science guy. Hey, hey science! Bill, 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 Bill. <laughs> oh, Cornell alum. Woo! <laughs> But yes, they're doing a collaboration uh, on the science behind dandruff. And I think this is so, this yeah, is really cool. This is, I, I think it's great. I think it's such a good sign for mm. just science communication and skincare. And I think that that'll really pave the way for just making science more approachable. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, yeah, exactly. Well, That's childhood just nostalgia. Yeah, I just think it's so cool that now beauty science communication is so mainstream that a big collaboration like this is happening. For sure. So, and that's it for general beauty news. And next up, we have a sustainability news. Yeah. So, um, Unilever has come out with a news basically saying that they want to be 100% recyclable by 2025. And uh, one of their initiatives is to replace 
their classic Colgate toothpaste tubes uh, with HGPE, which is high-density polyethylene. Um, yeah, this is by what is now or it's they're kicking off now. I think officially the first batch is gonna come out by November this year. Yeah, and so um, I think at first when you when I read the headline, I was generally confused because I thought aluminum is actually highly recyclable, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, I think if you read further and you realize like a lot of their toothpaste tubes, they're double walled. So there's aluminum on the inside and got a plastic coating on the outside. Um, and so with that, like um, it, a lot of these like hybrid packaging, they're not recyclable. So I assume that they mean. Yes, we will keep our eyes peeled for more details. And um, this just shows that sustainable packaging is one of the next biggest trends that we'll see in the market. Yeah. And um I think there's just we're hitting a point where there is um, enough traction that we're going to see actual changes. But there's a few different approaches to it. So don't know where that goes yet. Yeah, Um, we will say that for us, what we do like is, you know, reducing the virgin plastic footprint Mm -hmm. just because that that shit don't break down. So (laughs) (laughs) sorry. (laughs) And I think that's it for the news. What? That's it. That's it. That's it. No more news. <laughs> so now we're ready for the meat. Oh boy, strapping folks. Uh, you guys probably might remember. I don't know if it was last year. I think we did like an hour long rant about antioxidants. I don't know if you remember. It might have been an Instagram whole series. I don't even remember. I feel like that's a quarterly occurrence because I'm pretty sure a couple episodes ago we True. had one very short antioxidant rant. Yeah. And then we had an episode long last year. And mm. yeah. So here is our this quarter's antioxidant rant. Yeah. And so uh, before we get into the actives, probably the best thing or the one thing we have to remind you guys of is that antioxidants is another wild wild west category um talk about just uh really caters to all the trendy nutritional supplement ingredients this is where the food industry and nutrition gets very incestuous with beauty industry Mm -hmm. where if you hear one superfood catching on you bet your ass that someone (laughs) is trying to put it in a cream yep so definitely a great example of running before you learn how to walk yeah so any superfood you see like kale quinoa yeah done that in a serum in a toner what you got next bill bear in (laughs) that Goji berry done. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, so because of that, everything under the sun sounds like an antioxidant or gets labeled and claimed as an antioxidant. But it turns out that to actually prove that it's an antioxidant for your skin, um, it is a long and arduous road. Yeah, so this is um just to be warned. This is going to be a bit dry <laughs> and a bit depressing, but that this is honestly, this is a very, while we're drinking wine, this is a very sobering view of the world antioxidants. I also, I feel like it's also a category where, where it just, the word has been abused mm. and people are starting to drag it yeah. through the mud. Yeah. <laughs> Diluted uh, the meaning. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like everything's an antioxidant. Mm, yeah. Agreed. And so with that, um, just know that it's hard for us to really give ingredients that title of a true antioxidant. 
um, unless it's actually shown to um, help with basically um, like UV damage on human skin. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing we look at um, that's hard to find. And again, it takes a lot of time and a lot of money. So just preface with that before we get into ingredients. Yeah, now you're excited. (laughs) (laughs) Really trying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. So with that, um, let's first talk about some of the ingredients that we don't love or it's really hard to love. How long is this episode again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think first things first that people think of that's non-vitamin C is ECGC. Yeah. ECGC or epigalactocatechin gallate is the active, the main active ingredient from green tea extract or tea still in general. (laughs) (laughs) Isolated compound out of tea. There you go. <laughs> and the most tea important stuff. tea stuff. <laughs> um, and it has it has an impressive rep sheet when you take a very initial glance at it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure does. Oh god. You will hear it <laughs> getting tested and showing efficacy from a wide range of things, from psoriasis to eczema, dry skin, your uh, photo damage, even HPV mm-hmm. and alopecia. Yep. Yep. But when you take a closer look, 99% of these studies are done on mouse models. And if you look at the mouse model data, um, it doesn't seem to be all that convincing. And for us, um, we have to say that um, ECGC is quite unstable. And that may be the reason why, despite how much it's been tested, you haven't seen it gone that far. So I think that's like the really hard part for us um, with this active that makes us a little bit more hesitant um, to be excited over it when you find it in skincare. <laughs> yeah, we always take a more mild stance of, oh, okay, if you want to try tea stuff, there are some studies, yeah. try going for EGCG. But the reality, the reality is, is just it's just not super exciting. <laughs> yeah, and, and we should also say that antioxidants is category in general. Mm-hmm. Stability is not great. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I mean, if you look at ascorbic acid, even with as great a data as, as it has, like even that is not not stable. Yeah. So with that, um, just know that antioxidants in general um, are not the most stable of categories and it will be a recurring theme like through this episode. Mm-hmm. But hang out like hang in there with us. We'll we'll get through it. Next, we have lipoic acid. Oh, boy. I think this when we first started Instagram in what, 2018? Yeah. I felt like a lot of people were asking us about lipoic acid. From the ordinary. Yeah, it yep. caught that particular product really caught a lot of attention and everyone. I think that's one of the ingredients that also have those claims like, oh, X amount, like 8,000 times more effective than L-ascorbic acid. This is an awesome antioxidant. I don't know how they got that number. Probably in Dubo. Yeah. But yeah, and... um. We have found one study on it back in 2018 that uses 5% lipoic acid that showed some early promise, but... Yeah, so I mean, first of all, it's tiny. They used it for twice a day for 12 weeks, which is a very long time, but they did seem to find that it helps with some anti-aging properties such as uh, fine, fine lines and wrinkles, pore size, um, and then also improvement in overall skin tone and texture. So, you know, for us, like we see this more as um, maybe a secondary anti-aging ingredient, Mm -hmm. not so much as an antioxidant. And funny story, 
I don't know if you know, but Dr. Pinnell is the doctor behind um, the CE for Rula combo. He had it out for some competitor antioxidants, <laughs> and one of them was lipoic acid. So with that, um, he actually tested out 5% uh, lipoic acid against the CE ferulic and found that it just didn't perform as well. He also tested it, a competitor product. Fun fact, it was Paracone. He really had it out for Paracone. He did it, not us. Don't, <laughs> don't come to us with a knife, okay? <laughs> yeah, so um, we, we were thoroughly entertained um, just finding out how much work they did to really prove that C. ferulic was the champion antioxidant out of the bunch. So, yeah. And we should mention that this is a good time to kind of walk through Dr. Pennell's preferred method to yeah. validate this. Yeah. What he does is he tests on real human skin. And basically, um, it, he damages skin in a controlled fashion. Well, that means that he irradiates skin with a set amount of UV light. Mm -hmm. So you know exactly how much energy the skin is getting. Mm -hmm. And what that, uh, if you don't put anything on skin, that results in a burn, basically. Yeah. And you can see, like, depending on how strong the dose is, you can see how uh, the skin turns to a different level of darkness. And, and then Redness. Redness. Some look really angry. <laughs> yeah. um, and then he will patch test um, these different uh, formulas with this, these antioxidants and um, will perform the same set of radiations again. And you can see, um, see Ferulic is very, very impressive. We actually posted the images from one of these studies recently on Instagram, yeah. um, how with see Ferulic, it basically completely prevents uh, skin damage. Now, it doesn't mean uh, by any means antioxidants replace, replace sunscreen, sunscreen. Yes. but what that means is it really works in tandem to prevent any long-term um, damaging effects from, um, from sun. We said we wouldn't talk about vitamins. That was a brief example <laughs> to demonstrate my point. And then when, so when Victoria mentions that uh, Dr. Pennell had it out for these other antioxidants, what she means is he also put these, uh, these uh, ingredients to the same <laughs> test and found the results to be much less convincing. That is great. Yeah. And the other thing I think that was cool about the protocol is they actually apply um, C. ferulic a few days um, before irradiation. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of suggesting that, you know, the long-term application is helpful for overall um, UV damage. So that I thought was like a cool point on in their protocol. Um, but yeah, so anyways, um, as far as lipoic acid, also not really our favorite as far as an antioxidant, um, but can understand it as a, a secondary anti-aging active. Okay, cool. Next one. As you can tell, we are going through a few of the Ordinary's um, more exotic serums. So Yeah, they have, a, I believe, a 5% lipoic acid. Mm -hmm. um, they have a 5% pycnogenol yes. serum. Um, and pycnogenol is a training for a particular French maritime, like basically French pine extract. Yeah. Um, and this actually has some really cool data. As an oral ingestible. <laughs> There's a So when we... When Victoria did a lot of the research for this uh, episode, and basically every ingredient we wanted to talk about had a big fat asterisk yeah, around it. Yeah. And the asterisk around pycnogenol is it's mostly not used topically. Yeah, so this one's hard for us to, I mean, first of all, it's going to be hard for us to really talk about in skincare, but um, the data as an oral ingestible is actually pretty cool. They test it for skin barrier health, they test it for whitening, they test it for overall anti-aging and even uv protection now we're not saying that this is um you know you can substitute out for sunscreen 
But the fact that it's tested more as an ingestible than really as a topical, um, it leads us to believe we're going to say like, oh, it's hard for us to say do we, um, if we really love it in skincare or not. So we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. And I think the thing here <clears throat> is that if it's done on skin, it's done on mice. <laughs> if yeah. that's good human study, they ate it. <laughs> so <laughs> that was... <laughs> I made this I'm whole sorry podcast for very animal difficult. lovers. <laughs> yeah. So um, next. Yes. Okay. Well, quick question. All right. Mm. So right now we've gone through ECGC, Lipoic, yes. Pycnogenol. Mm-hmm. I'm totally just making Gloria's life really hard. No. Rank which one you would choose out of the three. Can you? Um, I would go for Pycnogenol. Mm. I think ECGC or green tea, tea stuff in general, it's been done for so long and we always mentioned that hey interest is what sparks a lot of studies kind of like cbd and all things hemp um this trend has been that trend has been going on for a while now um we always say hey if you want to try it go for it but we don't know um any of the data yet Mm -hmm. the data is ongoing it's being tested and we're expecting to see a bunch of that results soon Mm -hmm. um same thing with green tea green tea green tea craze probably started in the i want to say 90s early 2000s It goes from drinking, supplements, and topical. It's been going on for decades, and it's been through a lot of studies. But hasn't made a lot of progress, and this raises your spidey senses a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, I know there's, like, a study on green tea extract and how it helps with oily skin. Mm -hmm. But I think the other thing that's hard for me is to really know, like, is it the actual, you know, how is the ingredient processed? Is it actually the compound that's Mm -hmm. going to help? treat my oily skin or is it just the green tea i just brewed you know what i mean like it's it's i think the category as far as an ingredient is so vast and how its process is so vast that i i just feel like green tea is kind of i get kind of lost even to really know how i would pick a product with green tea yeah exactly so that's just something that's really hard for us to recommend like poic acid has the opposite problem on green tea. It's um relatively new to skincare, mm-hmm. so it has some um promising early data. Even though not necessarily as an antioxidant, but it has shown some promising skin benefits. All two papers on it, so yeah. that's also really hard for us to say. Yeah, get it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> so for pycnog- the reason why I chose pycnogenol is even though there isn't a lot of now, this might get a little subjective, but even though there isn't a lot of um, topical data, um, it's got great oral data, and you can get it from the ordinary at relatively cheap, and it's at 5%, which is a lot higher than what would be typically used, which is probably in the 0.5 to 1% range. Yeah. So you can easily dilute it and like kind of test it out before investing too much time and money. The other thing, too, is I think... Lipoic and ECGC, their stability has me so worried that I don't really. First of all, with lipoic acid in the ordinary, it's in a it's in pure solvent. I just don't think that's the best way to care of an antioxidant. So yeah, I just it doesn't really excite me to want to try that one. Whereas you know the plant extract, I think fares a better chance. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next. Last one in the category we, that we don't really love, um, ubiquinone, CoQ10. Or, yeah, CoQ10. Yeah. It, this one is also, this is found in skin. 
Um, it's actually part of your skin's very natural um, antioxidant defense system. Mm-hmm. So I think the the positioning is always like, oh, it kind of replenishes your yeah. skin's natural antioxidant defense system. But does it work, Victoria? <laughs> does it? Well, does it? <laughs> yeah. So I tried really hard to find actual helpful data and came up with zilch. And the other thing, too, is that, um, what do you know? Dr. Pinnell strikes again. (laughs) Dr. Pinnell is back with the bazooka. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he, too, wants to compare CoQ10 along with, um, uh, it's called idibinone. Idibinone? (laughs) Idibinone. And uh, it's another um, kind of alternative to CoQ10. Also, another um, claimed AOX called Kinetin, which you probably have never heard of. Um, so these are the three that he's out to test and compares all of them and finds that they really, actually, even more so than Lipoic, don't do well at all. We will post the picture of the here. MED study here. here and you can see how red all the skin is. Yeah, it, it's not great. And um, I have to be honest, this, is, this active has been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think there's really evidence to I suggest feel, oh, sorry. yeah yeah i almost feel like coq10 is turning to one of those words that i'll start it's starting to not mean anything yeah like oh this has coq10 okay <laughs> yeah right and again comes from supplements you know and i just think that uh, yeah not one we're relying on sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah so that's that that's it so these are kind of the four that you know we're feeling iffy on. Let's talk about some of the more promising ones. And first things first, because we're drinking wine for this theme, obviously, resveratrol. Resveratrol or grape stuff. <laughs> uh, the reason why you validate drinking uh, every day uh, with wine o'clock, right? So um, usually they are referring to red wine, yeah, yeah, not so much white wine. <laughs> this is just for you know for us. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so this has been really buzzy for the past like 20 mm. years or so too also started out as maybe ingestibles and um it has also been done in a lot of topical studies we reference the skin pseudocles resveratrol be quite often because it's one of the coolest um yeah. clinical studies you'll find um that uses resveratrol yep and um so ultimately the only issue with this active is that it's very expensive um Resveratrol being is like what, $150? $150. Yeah. Not cheap. Yeah. And the other thing is that um it doesn't like being in formulas very much. So um usually the the sad thing is you'll probably only find it at like this is definitely one of those classic like cat sneeze worthy actives. So um again, if you can find one that actually shares the percentages of resveratrol, that's the best way to take advantage of this yep. active. So there are very few products on the market that will have that. Um uh, one being the skin SkinCeuticals B uh C Ferulic. Skin SkinCeuticals <laughs> resveratrol B E. Um the other one is uh the the ordinary it has a 3% yeah. resveratrol. That one we feel a little iffy about. It might be an okay product for you to try to dilute mm-hmm. and try out. Um, it's at a whopping 3%, which sounds awesome on paper. But first of all, you don't need 3%. And secondly, the other 97% is a single solvent, just in propane diol. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm so close it. to talking about this uh, ordinary solvent issue. Okay, we're going to get through this. All right. Yeah. Um, and with that, let's move on to Bicolin. 
by Glenn. This one has um, TCM or traditional Chinese medicine、mm-hmm. origins. Um, this is pretty unique. You'll usually only find it in L'Oreal brands like SkinCeuticals as well as Laurier Posay. Yeah, truly proprietary to L'Oreal products.、Um, so, there. If you do a Google search,、um, you'll find that a lot of it is truly only in in vivo mouse models that show that it does help、um, in reducing photo aging with UVB damage.、Um, The other thing we can tell you, being on the other side, is we do really like how it works with sunscreen. So with that, we think that this is actually a great AOX to have and a great、um, kind of bonus when you buy LRP sunscreens、um, is Biclin plus their sunscreen. This one. This one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's another one that we think is worth giving a shot. And then another one that was actually more surprising to us is the Uke 134. And Gloria, are we going to try to actually say this ingredient <coughs> name? Uke 134 is an estelado proprietary mo- molecule, and it is ethyl bis imidinol methyl glycol manganese. manganese chloride. Yep, it's a mouthful, and you'll probably see it run along here. <laughs> yeah. So、uh, this one, we actually got quite a bit of questions about UK one thirty four when it first came out and launched from the ordinary. Yeah. yeah. And so、uh, the cool thing is, this is actually one that has been heavily researched by Estee Lauder.、Mm-hmm. Um, kind of makes sense how the ordinary also uses it too. <laughs> But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>、um, But anyways, so Estee Lauder has actually done a pretty in-depth study. Um, testing it anywhere between 0.05 percent to 0.1 percent, so this is one of those actives that you don't need a lot of、um, to see if it actually does help reduce lipid peroxide、um, peroxides in the skin,、um, which is a very rare study to find.、Um, so the cool thing is that they did find that it does help、um, uh, minimize these basically free radicals that are occurring in your skin,、um, even at the 0.05 percent. Um, so we do really like this active, but again, big asterisk here. There is kind of a catch. Yeah, it's really hard for us to give a solid product recommendation for this one. So you will find this in Estee Lauder's own Estee Lauder Daywear Antioxidant Seventy Two Hour Hydration Sorbet Cream Broad Spectrum SPF Fifteen. <laughs> that poor marketer that has to figure out a way to put that name on a box.、Goddamn. No, all the poor influencers that have to work with them, <laughs> and they have to be like, "Oh my God, this product changed my my life." And if you want to change your life, just look for Estee Lauder Daywear Antioxidant Seventy Two Hour <laughs> Hydration Sorbet Cream Broad Spectrum. <laughs> it is also in the La Mer Radiant Serum. <laughs> no joy. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So two kind of pricey products. Um. Yeah. That it's also yeah it's in the ordinary's own Uke One Thirty Four Serum. Um. And so, I think for us it's it just it's hard to suggest what product to go. Yeah, so with with the Estee Lauder Day Cream and La Mer, obviously it's very very expensive. Um, and they, I don't think at least I didn't see any clinicals done on those two products specifically, so、yeah. it's hard to comment on it. Um, but for the ordinary, it's used at point one percent, which is on the upper hand,、uh, upper upper echelon of how much you're supposed to use.、Yeah. But the other ninety nine point nine percent of the formula is again propane diol. <laughs> Ah, I can't take it. Okay, can we first talk about this? Okay, 
I don't think we've... We eventually will probably do a whole dedicated ordinary uh, review, but we really struggle with this single solvent uh, formula because not only is it very lazy, but the other thing is you're compromising on texture. You're also not really... it, it, It doesn't give us a lot of confidence that... The way it penetrates, the way it uh, handles in that solvent, uh, it's just the greatest format. Yeah, um, propane diol is a closely a closely related cousin to propylene um, propylene glycol, and it's a very common solvent, mm-hmm. and um, it's a solvent stabilizer in skincare. We ourselves use it, um, but, but not at ninety nine percent. So concentration is really key here. Yeah. It's it's in most formulas. If you see it in listed in any of your cream serums. It's most likely in there at 10% or under and most likely 5% or under. So when you have anything at 99%, you're not helping texture. You're potentially inviting irritation Mm -hmm. because 99% of anything can be uh, just a higher risk of irritation. And lastly, I I really feel like it just, like Victoria mentioned, a lot of antioxidants aren't stable. So it doesn't have any vitamin E's. It doesn't have any other things, any structure around it. So, Nothing to help stabilize and further improve its shelf life. Yeah. And I think compared to the resveratrol one, um, let's say you want to try resveratrol. Resveratrol is effective at, say, 05 to 1%. The ordinary resveratrol has 3%. So you can argue that, okay, you can add a drop or dilute it into another product to kind of test it out. Yeah. But the EUK product is there's so much solvent. I have no idea how you would even begin to incorporate this. Yeah. And also, like, even if you just add a drop um, to your, you know, serum or moisturizer, um, unfortunately, because the active is so low, um, your dilution is quite high. So, you know, in terms of are you actually getting the right amount? Eh, probably not. So this is I mean, this is where we really struggle with some of the ordinary um, products we always say it's kind of a great way to even just understand how these actives might work for your skin but it's just not our favorite i'm sorry this is probably gonna bring a lot of hate yeah but um <laughs> but yeah yeah so with that all right so um just to sum up um we really like you know we think resveratrol is um a great active bicolant uk134 um, so those are the three that you can consider um, if you are looking for a CE Ferulic alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is that it? Yes. Was that the takeaway? Yes. Is there another? T- <laughs> oh, um, <clears throat> yes. <laughs> uh, and we will say, even though we gave all the reasons, I mean, this is where the science is at. Not going to sugarcoat it. Um, but if you want to try it, these ingredients are still much, much better than just like, uh, I don't know, a superoxidant. Blueberry extract. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just uh, just any antioxidant serum that says, oh, I have the first dew drop on this flower antioxidant. Because you will see a lot of that as well. Um, also, like, I hate to say it, but a lot of plant face oils, they like to claim antioxidant mm-hmm. because they use these bland, blends of plants that may or may not be supplements and i think that's 
I think face oils for me, I have a hard time with because they do end up claiming like, oh, it has antioxidant right. properties. I'm like, no. Yeah, exactly. So even the ones that ended up on our hate list, like ECGC, like Proic Acid, Pycnogenol, you have a better chance with these and just any any bumfuck antioxidant <laughs> claim out there. <laughs> just the reality of it. Yeah, cool. And then uh, we do want to follow up with um, just some general layering guidelines again to remind you. Um, as you start um, dabbling with this, um, testing testing things out, we do love antioxidants to pair with your sunscreens. Um, luckily, most of these are going to be um, water-based, um, so um, that should be a good place for it. But yeah, anything yeah. else, Gloria, we should add? Nope. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. I think it's time for the fun part. <laughs> thanks for sticking with us through this painful antioxidant journey write to us if you have questions i'm sure if only i uh, it'll so, get better sometimes sometimes some of you will notice that we don't address some of the buzziest topics out there and usually because we have to be bad news bearers and that's not very fun <laughs> yeah and sometimes you just want to try we get it we're not going to be w downers yeah, so, okay. Cool. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Uh, it's time to... Break, break, break it up. Break, break, break it up. Please break, break, break it, it up. up. Break, 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 break. All right, it's animal fun fact time. And today, it's my turn. Yay. What All do right. you have? Today, we're talking about the Adelie penguin. The cute little black and white ones? Yes, sir. Got that uh, classic tuxedo look. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely on the small side. Um, classic penguin eats krill and fish. Um, also, I actually found out. Did you ever wonder how penguins get their fresh water? They, oh, they yeah. actually don't get a lot of water, right. and so they actually have glands that help them kind of process the salt. And they, um, oh, the, so they like, can highly concentrated salt. Oh, so they can drink seawater. I believe so. And also the krill um, is lower in salt content. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of their moisture, sometimes they get from food. That's oh. actually, I, I, I actually, never even thought That's about. a great question. I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, but also, fun fact. Um, that's not why I'm highlighting it today. Today, uh -oh. I'd like to shout out to the Adelie penguin because the females have found have been found to mate with males that aren't actually their partners. Ah, I see. <laughs> and in return, in return, they take stones from the male's nest. Wait, what? So they like they have mark their conquest? No, no, no. Huh. They're prostitutes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But so it's gonna be three rocks, darling. <laughs> That's actually exactly it. So they'll purposely mate with males that are not their partner um, mm. to actually take their stones for their own nest. Ah. Um, and so this, it's actually been documented, um, just a fun fact, that one male had actually lost 62 stones. <laughs> Man, you have a problem. See a therapist. Actually, from one sexual encounter. Oh, he's in love. So that's, Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's like a high class lady. <laughs> oh, this guy's got a particular taste. Yeah. So I just, um, that's actually it. It's very quick. <laughs> I just thought it was great to shout out to Natalie Penguin. Oh, my God. Now I have this inappropriate image of a female <laughs> Adelie Penguin showing off her wares a bit. So what it be, hon? 
You got. I see you got the stones over It's there. It's gonna cost you two stones. <laughs> the more you think about it, the price is only gonna go up. <laughs> oh god! I believe we have ruined animals for most people, <laughs> but otherwise adorable. But I will say one of the saddest uh, animal videos I've ever seen on YouTube is I don't think these are out like penguins. I think it was an emperor, emperor. penguin. But is it the kids? No, it's the one where um the female was caught cheating. Like the, it was a male term to fish, and he came uh, back, and there was a dude in his nest. He said, "What the hell, dude?" And so the two males got in a huge fight, and the original dude who got cheated on lost. So the video literally showed him crying, like kind of howling for the female's attention, and the female's like, "Damn, you lost, bro!" And then went to the went to the other male. It was the saddest thing, and then the. And then the guy who got cheated on just had to waddle off. Mm. But, uh, Penguins have relationship problems too. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, All right. why is this whole thing <laughs> not uplifting? Hey, I was thinking like more power to the woman. She gonna get her stone. I'm gonna get my stone. <laughs> Obviously, this is our first episode back, but it's time for some Q and A. Yay! All right, uh, all right. So this is a question we've actually recently got um, with all the sunscreen questions going on out there. Um, the question is: What are your thoughts on hybrid SPF moisturizers? Is this a question. good solution for those who are minimalists? Great question. And we recently <clears throat> did a collab with Strivectin on their Super C yeah. um, Super C SPF 30 mm -hmm. moisturizer. Um, the thing is with any, any hybrid, hybrid SPF moisturizer, it can be a little subjective and boils down to the texture. Mm -hmm. Um, that is before you get into the moisturizing benefits or the antioxidant benefits, whatever hybrid benefits is claiming, the most important thing is still texture. Yeah, totally agree. I, so I kind of think that, um, hybrid SPFs actually are better for oily skin types mm. um i think oh, because it's just less layering mm -hmm. um and i found that on average the texture is not that bad mm. if you think about versus layering like moisture plus sunscreen mm -hmm. i think actually the hybrid texture would be a better option obviously there's definitely some caveats to this but yeah that's Actually, my kind of like theory on this. That's a really good point because I realized that I'm personally, I have dry skin. I should have brought my thingy. But um, <laughs> I, um, I'm very indifferent about hybrid, hybrid SPF. Yeah. I don't even think about it as a hybrid SPF. For me, it's, it's still just, oh, if I like the texture, I'll use it. But, but I'm definitely layering. I'm still layering. Yeah. Regardless of what SPF I use, I'm still layering. Oh, also, you're going to think this is really random. I have a tinfoil hat theory. Ooh. <laughs> we I'm forgot it today. In. But Go we're gonna on. Okay. My crazy, crazy tinfoil hat theory is about mineral sunscreen. Uh-huh. I think the reason why they're so draggy is why their protection is better because you can only get so far rubbing <laughs> the texture. So you have to apply a ton to feel like you have actually applied it all over your face. That's my tinfoil hat theory. I don't like it. It's probably true, but I don't like it. I know. It totally does not um, excuse the horrible texture, but I have found that I've been testing a lot of minerals, and that drag makes me put on so much more than need be. 
to demonstrate Victoria's wow. point, um, during our trip back to Taiwan, uh, I have acquired this um kind of this Aoi sunscreen. Um, they have a whole line under this branding. Um, they're definitely a new rising Japanese yeah. sunscreen brand. I think they're gaining a lot of traction here, and it's yeah. also very very popular in Asia locally. Yeah. Um, I picked this one out. They have a whole series. I picked this one out on purpose because it's one of the, it's pretty much the, one of the only ones from that line that is um, zinc heavy and completely mm. free of uh, oxy, which is very popular in Asia. Because, yeah. So then I got it. I really like the original one, which is like a yeah. zinc and um, Asian filters blend. It also have oxy and oxy. So I was like, oh, you know what? If we can make a suggestion on uh a non a less controversial filter blend. It might be very helpful to our followers. And then, lo and behold, it is very, very difficult to spread. Wow. I am not a very tan person. No. I am pretty tan in Asian standards. Shocking. But it is hard to get it to go in. And like Victoria said, as you rub... It starts to get draggier and draggier. So you don't got a lot of time to rub it in. Yeah. Yep. So then it just sets and it does feel very filmy. I will say the dry down and everything else on this is still, I still think it's pleasant. Um, but it's just, just the nature of it. It just starts to drag and you don't, you have to use a lot more formula too. Right over your face. I'm more appalled by how whitening it is. It is very white. <laughs> I'm not even going to try putting this on my face. For those of you listening, consider checking out the YouTube video around the 50 minute mark to see how white it is. Yeah, it's, I'm not even going to try. Yikes. Yeah. So, oh. well, there you go. So anyways, that's that was like where I was like, oh, well, it definitely does make people put like way more of it on your face. It's true because usually like I... We preach that you do have to apply more than you think. Um, but a lot of times, especially if I'm not going anywhere serious, I am guilty of just putting on just enough to to cover and, and I get like a cut. sheer, very yeah. sheer film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do have to think about it if I'm like trying to be better with it. So this is probably enough for me to cover my whole face. I don't have a huge face for most formulas, but this yeah. is only enough for half face for me, which means I'm actually probably applying sunscreen right. There you go. All right, cool. Um, also, uh, let's go over, someone asked about best practices for layering sunscreen. Um, cool. Anyways, for layering, um, we prefer the, we would rather you do moisturizer sunscreen than do sunscreen foundation just because, um, generally sunscreen foundation, they both can use a lot of powders. Um, they use silicones. A lot they use gelling agents. A lot of these things can all add up to pilling. Yeah. So, um, if you we find that moisturizer, moisturizer, and then sunscreen, excuse me, moisturizer and then sunscreen on top, you have a better chance of um, not causing pilling. Um, so that's where you know we would say obviously with sunscreen you want it to be your last step in your skincare routine, and then if you absolutely have to apply foundation, um, please leave enough time for your sunscreen to absorb and set up and then apply the foundation but if you do see any sort of um kind of weirdness happening the balling up the you know you see that your foundation isn't sitting quite right um it most likely means there is an incompatible incompatibility issue 
and we recommend you probably need to change out something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that would be our general best pa- practices on layering. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, my question for Gloria oh, is. Oh no. <laughs> I've asked her so many questions, hard questions. All right, so I had you rank all of the kind of like not so great antioxidants. Mm-hmm. Let's say CE ferulic is wiped off the planet. You can't get it anymore. There's no ascorbic acid to be had. What the heck are you going to do hmm. in terms of antioxidants? Just wither into a raisin. <laughs> um, Just all the sunscreen. Yes. Um. I think for me, I go with an antioxidant. I mean, vitamin C derivative. Mm. This is a bit of a cheating answer because um, also, Gloria, you look like a geisha. I you know, are so pale. So <laughs> I know, and I am not tan by any means. You're so pale. <laughs> Anyways, go yes, on. Yes, I will use a vitamin C derivative because um, a lot of vitamins are. Der- C derivatives has some study on mm. whether or not it converts to L-ascorbic acid in the skin. Mm. Um, well, mm. this is just one aspect of it, mm-hmm. but it does tell me that it does more than Yes. I that's kind of cheating. I, it is, I mean, no, but I have to say just mm. like the amount of data that a lot of these derivatives have is already more Sorry. than most. I was going to say cockatoo <laughs> Wait, you would use cockatoo I'm plums? just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is a moment, guys. <laughs> I shot my face like a cockatoo <laughs> Okay. To be fair, just no cockatoo plum for Gloria. Mm. Um, but yeah, so... I, I totally agree. I think the amount of data just for um, any one of these uh, vitamin C derivatives is actually a lot more than what's going on with some of these antioxidants. Um, I've made it to clinicals. And a lot of times I think what we didn't mention is sometimes they don't actually make it to any sort of antioxidant lipid peroxidation study, mm-hmm. but they look for things <clears throat> like um, UV damage, things like photo, um, like, uh, excuse me, they look for things um, that are associated with UV damage, such as pigmentation. Mm. Um, and so those are kind of some general good signs that it can be helpful. Um, but again, this is, I agree, this is a kind of a worst case scenario. There's no CE ferulic to be had. I think that's a great way to go. I think in conclusion, a lot of the ingredients we touched on today is if you can, um, if, if you can use a CE ferulic in your routine, um, they might not hurt as a supplement, but yeah. they're absolutely they're just not must-haves. Yeah. If your skin can can't tolerate vitamin C of any sort, then maybe these are good options. As we mentioned, even the ones that we are like kind of in about based on the um, data and evidence, they're still better than just random like trendy extract you're gonna find. Yeah, and also like skincare is you know it's fun to dabble in it, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with trialing it out for yourself. And if you do, please let us know. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's it. We made it through antioxidants. Yay. Let us know what we should, what, what are we talking about next? Let us know what we should talk about next. <laughs> There's a few topics that we said we we're going to talk about and we haven't yet. And, uh. TBD, we definitely have a sunscreens part two. Um, yes. In the works. Um, but that'll probably be, we're, we're still gathering some tests we want to do. So we'll see. But otherwise, yeah, um, let us know in the comments. And yeah, hopefully this was helpful to you guys. 
If you guys have any questions, you know where to find us. Please write to us. Um, otherwise, yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. Bye, guys.